Hello, and welcome to Climbing Trees, a podcast where we explore the brilliant minds that have inspired brilliant minds. And our guest today, our brilliant mind today for this episode is none other than the Reverend Dr. Stacy Smith, the greatest Presbyterian that I know. Stacy, I am so happy to have you here with us on the podcast today. Thank you for joining the program. Ooh, thanks for having me. Ridiculous introduction about Presbyterian, but uh, but I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> uh, it is all it is all truth, uh, and I am so happy to be with you here today. Uh, we go back a ways, Stacy. We do. Um, may you please tell our audience, our listeners, how you and I came to know one another, how we went to school together, um, all those union goodness. It's 2004. And <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we met um, at Union Theological Seminary in New York City. And um, I I had I was two years out of college and I'd been working in Washington, D.C. for a couple of years. Jake, did you go straight out of college? You were, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and the nice thing about Union is, you know, it is a, an ecumenical, or I think these days kind of interreligious seminary, um, which is part of why I wanted to go there because I'd been to a Presbyterian college and I grew up in Presbyterian churches and it felt like, you know, uh, just getting a little different experience. But the nice thing is, is that uh, Union has Auburn Seminary, which mm -hmm. is embedded in it, which is basically functions as a special support for Presbyterian students. So Jake and I got to spend quality time together in all of our union classes, but then also in like special, special Presbyterian classes, uh, including Hebrew. We did Hebrew together. We did. We did. We did. And uh, I remember Jake coming in oh. in his smiley face uh um pajama pants and i appreciate that to this day <laughs> uh one learns best when one is comfortable right? yeah, I, I, totally, I totally agree i was no doubt wearing some tragic 2004 outfit that i bought like in dallas texas so that i could look cool in new york city which none of you that did. ever happened nah. but we try we try we, we 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 definitely did i i i love hearing that because I also grew up in a Presbyterian church, and though I did not go to a Presbyterian college, I wanted something out of seminary that wasn't only Presbyterianism. Yeah. And, and um, uh, I don't, uh, at least speaking for myself, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to get out of Union. I, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I do think that we both definitely got that interreligious experience, not just Presbyterianism, which was- a Yeah, trip. for sure. I think, yeah, probably in that respect, you and I entered in the same way because I was open to the ordination path and to mm -hmm. serving in congregations, but it wasn't uh, exactly what I had always planned to do or anything like that. And in fact, it's, it's not been what I've done. I, I Even back then, I sort of knew that my career would kind of go- back and forth between community work or advocacy work and congregational work. And it has, and then in some cases, you know, it's overlapped or I've done kind of both at the same time. So union was a great place for that because, you know, it really put a lot of options on the table It at this school and then being in New York city anyway. Mm -hmm. And then you could kind of 
just like a choose your own adventure and an adventure it was. <laughs> so true. I definitely went in not thinking that I would do parish ministry. And uh, 16 years later. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know that any of us thought, I, I don't know that I thought that you would do parish ministry, but I was super pumped when you did. Oh, <laughs> thank you. It's, it, it you know, it, it adventure is the word. It has definitely mm-hmm. been an adventure. Lots of learning, lots of growth. Um, and oh my God, lot, lot, lots of the spirit moving. That is for <laughs> sure. Now, 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 Stacey, you are not just the Reverend Stacy. Mm. You are uh, the Reverend Doctor. And so can you tell us a little bit about what that's about? What was it like to go back to school again, again, if you will? Sure. Well, I, so actually similarly to my desire to kind of, to go to union, to sort of break out of only studying or only being around Presbyterian churches, I did my doctorate in education in part because I, well, I, I I knew I did not want to do a PhD because I didn't really have any interest in being in the academy and publishing and all of that stuff. Uh, n- n- no shade, but uh, <laughs> but I, I'm an extrovert in case people don't, can't tell from, from just like the few minutes we've been talking and spending like quality time laboriously studying old texts in a library is just not, not my vibe. So I was interested in doing a, a demon, but mm. again, like I had kind of done, I'd done a lot of work in religious circles and religious communities. And I wanted to, to step out into a different field in part to get some different experience, but also in part because, you know, we are teaching elders. That Absolutely. Is what, <laughs> yeah, that is what we do. And that is what we are called. That is what we we do. And I did not know the first thing about teaching. Not really. Um, probably at the end of the day, I probably could have just done like an online class on pedagogy and I could have learned what I what I wanted to know after a three-year uh, doctorate in higher education at Vanderbilt University. But, you know, hindsight 2020. And uh, so I got to spend, I did it uh, part-time or it was full-time, but I was only in, you know, in Nashville uh, on every other weekend, but it was in person. So I was working in Memphis wow. at the healthcare system that I was working for while uh, doing the doctorate at Vanderbilt. So I'm a pastor who has a doctorate in higher education who worked at a healthcare system. So I'm just interdisciplinary by nature. And, <laughs> and yeah. I will say that the the overlap I find there there are some really deep overlaps between the sure. education system, particularly higher education. Uh, funding structures, systems, that compared with the healthcare system, which has a mm-hmm. lot of similarities as well, and that compared with congregational life. You know, all of these very big systems have, you know, their own histories and their own pluses and seems like these days a lot of struggling minuses. <laughs> and yeah. so uh, it's interesting that a lot of the overlap in healthcare education and the church you know seem to to really connect together so that is incredibly rich and 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 you have um you've opened up the next door that I want to share and that's and and if I if I get this wrong Stacy please correct me but you are currently the pastor of Auburn Presbyterian Church is that correct it is Westminster Presbyterian Church in Auburn thank you so, I love the name yes. Yes. what is it like to serve that community so it's 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 great uh, so 
I am here for about four months. Their pastor left in June. Uh, he'd been here about seven years and and left, you know, in, in good stead, but had some family issues and decided to kind of like take some time off. Sure. And so they were, they were in need of a pastor pretty quickly. And I, whew, we don't even have time to go into all the business, but I have, I've sort of discerned and this, this connects with my desire to, to go to Iona, which I know we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. I've sort of discerned over the last couple of years, this desire to really be flexible. And, uh, you know, I have the, the, tragic benefit to an extent of not having uh, of being able to to go where I want to go and do where I want to do what I want to do without a lot of things holding me to a specific area Um, I was married and my husband uh, died of a brain tumor at the beginning of 2020 so at the beginning of COVID you know all that happened I have stepkids they are all in college or doing mm-hmm. their thing out of college. My parents are, you know, healthy, they're older, but they're healthy, they're doing their thing. And so I was able to just like sell my house, get in the car, like put random stuff in storage, and then just kind of hit the road. And the road led up here to Auburn so that I could be here for a few months and pastor this congregation. And I really think that this is um a good fit for me Perfect. i am i'm i'm real high energy uh i'm an enneagram 7 for those who know the enneagram so uh so having lots of options and flexibility and not feeling like you know hemmed in is kind of an important thing for us uh, to our to our to our disservice and our betterment whatever it's it's what we it's how i feel and uh so so I'm only here for four months. I'm here to just like, I'm like a little hurricane. I just like come in, you know, I have a lot of admin background from working in the healthcare system. So like, sure. you know, basic kind of structural things that we need to do around the the church we can do. I can lead worship. And um, it has been a lot of fun. I do not think, I definitely know that, you know, especially going back to union and, and my first few years in ministry when I was like in my 20s, um, I did not ever anticipate that being in a congregational setting would be any fun, <laughs> to, to be honest. Um, no, I used fair. to say, yeah, I used to say that congregational ministry for me was like that pair of jeans that like, I mean, you can put them on like if you need to and you can wear them around, but they're like not that comfortable and they don't look great on you. Like that was kind of how I understood my role in congregational ministry, but it has changed. Did we change the title of the podcast, Stacey? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uncomfortable jeans. (laughs) (laughs) A true forum on the life of congregational ministry. (laughs) But it's not true. Well, first of all, you can wear leggings. So that makes things more comfortable in general. Or pajama pants, if you want to. You learn fast when we're comfortable. There it is. That's the other that's the other overarching thing. There we go. Anyway, anyway, uh, it has been great up here in in Auburn. Um, this is the time of year to be in the Finger mm. Lakes. It's beautiful. Yes. It, it's uh, the congregation's been great. It's it's a really healthy church. It's a really active and vibrant in the community. One of the things that really drew me here was they have started Pride House, which is a, a drop in center for LGBTQ teens at the church which is great, but 
in addition to that, it is literally the only LGBTQ advocacy spot in town. Wow. Um, in, in a town that seems, you know, Western New York is a little more conservative than the rest of New York, I think. But, you know, there's still, there's rainbow flags everywhere. And there's, you know, visibly, I think there's a lot of support, but structurally, it seems that there's not as much organizational support for people who are who 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 need services or yeah. want to have community groups or whatever. So it's been really great that the church has that space provided and they're hoping to grow it, you know, to really be more of like the hub for LGBTQ advocacy in the in the community, which I think is great, of course. What an offering. Seriously. Yeah. So yeah. You, you you have teased Iona and I want to get there, but I need to ask a question first. Okay. This is, I'm I'm sorry. This is this is just Let's build the anticipation just a little Ooh, bit okay. longer because I need to ask you about your book. You happen to also be an author, Reverend Dr. Stacy Smith. Indeed. Uh, and so, um, I mean, my first question is what can't you do? Clearly nothing, but um, tell us the name of your book, what that project was like. Is it still available for purchase? Um, all the details, please. Yeah, I will, I'll tell, one thing I can't do is write a long book. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, bless her heart life as a young clergywoman was was written in as a uh, as a collaboration with my friend reverend ashley ann masters back when we still classified as young i guess i think i think we graduated once you once you although i don't know in the church like if you're under 60 i feel like you're still you're, you can still claim the mantle as young but apparently in the young clergywomen community once you hit 40 you hit uh, young clergy, young alumni, I believe is what oh, we are alumni of being young. Anyway, uh, this <laughs> was a, a, when the Young Clergy Women Project started in, I think, 2006. It was uh, and continues to be a really great community collaboration of women clergy across denominations and actually mm -hmm. internationally as well. And they had started a bunch of writing projects and a number of different things. And one of the things that they did was uh, develop a collaboration with Chalice Press to elevate the voices and, and experiences of young women clergy and really like kind of bypass the, the application process to, to actually get a book published um, or just kind of break down some of those barriers. So, uh, so we were the Super first, worthy. we were the first book published in that whole series, which is published, oh, I don't even know how many books at this point in time, 20 or 30, at least, I think. And um, so it is still available on Amazon. It is a, it is a short read. You can, you can finish it in an hour. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> but it is, it is just kind of a, a, a lens into the specific instances of, of things that, that young clergy women face. Um, I will say this, my husband, I, I said, uh, you know, we, I was married for about three and a half years and we were together for about eight years. And I will say, he never made it past the third chapter because that was the one on um dating and <laughs> and sex it was the <laughs> divorce sex dating as the life of young clergywomen he got through chapter three and he was like i'm done i've learned all i need to know here so like, really a it's read. a resource you know for anybody that <laughs> well um uh i will say that it is both full of life and theologically rich and Thank so I, I i definitely think that it's 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 it um 
anyone that wants sort of to be illumined, if you will, to kind mm -hmm. of get a, a different take on what it means to serve in this call, this teaching elder role, as mm -hmm. you so appropriately name it, um, uh, especially if you are young and female, uh, is a much different lift than someone that looks like me. And so it is, of, 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 I'm, I'm thrilled that it's available. I'm thrilled that people can still read it. And I would recommend it to anyone that wants to um, learn more about that very important and growing uh, ministry, right? I think there's more women that are graduating from seminary yeah. right now. So, I mean, that's... And I, have heard, I have heard from multiple people that it is a great ordination gift. So there you oh. go. For the, for the young ordinand in your life. <laughs> there we go. That's clear, a large demographic of our listeners. Stay yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> totally. Just file it away for that one time when your granddaughter's niece goes to, you know, and you're like, what do I, what do I get her? <laughs> Wisely went to union. That's what I was. Yeah, of course, hearing. of course, obviously. Totally. So um, this has been fascinating. Thank you so much. I love um, talking about you and me. <laughs> That's what this has been. But um very exciting time in your life because you are going to move to Iona. Yes. Um, now, in the last year, we've had about 30 adults visit Iona. They went, they were only there for a day. It was like a glorious whirlwind tour, you know, um, uh, in and out, right? Um, and it's it's Camus. Is that the right way to pronounce yes. that? The, yeah. and, and we've definitely had youth go to Camus before. Um, they're right there on the Isle of Mall for all of our listeners who might not know what that is. Um, which is just across the across the small. Although to say water. that Camus is anywhere right there is uh, not accurate. Camus is I, I've only been to Camus twice actually uh, because it is about a mile down a very muddy boggy trek. I mean, there's it's down the path is the only way to get to Camus, and and uh, it is it is not easily accessible. So. Uh, congrats when, to all of the youth who made it there that's getting there is half of that already. all i have to say is that when a road diverged in the wood and one way went to camas i went the other way so yeah, I, i've seen enough. i've yeah. seen the trail yeah. but i've again to call to call the road to camas a road i feel like it's <laughs> is a stretch but yes yeah you can i i also for all the times that i've been on iona which uh, is four uh, wow. Now I think four. Uh, I've I've only ever made the trek to Camus the uh, twice. <laughs> so. so so this will be your fifth. Mm -hmm. And it I and, and it's gonna be the longest, right? Yes. How long are you gonna be there? So I am planning to be I'm actually going over Christmas for about 30 days, and I'll be helping with they have a, a Christmas uh, program in the Abbey. And then okay. there'll be some folks who are actually coming over from Princeton Seminary in January. So I'll be there for that to kind of help orient them to where they are. I'll come back to the United States in February and apply for a visa. And then I'm planning to be over there for about six months. Um, I'm also starting the um, new member program to become a member of the Iona community, which is about a two-year process. And actually, I have my first meeting about that this afternoon on another oh. Zoom. So, um, Providential. So, yeah. so I'll be over there for about six months. This time around, maybe a little longer, just kind of depends on, on the volunteers and how things are going and what they need help with, et cetera. And, uh, and then we'll just see after that. But partly I, I'm going over Christmas because I've only ever been on the island you know, during the season. When yeah. there are lots of people there and when, you know, it's not 
a very cold <laughs> uh rain blowing sideways uh little island off of Scotland so I kind of want to experience life in the off season uh just to to know a little bit more about the island and the community like that well, we will keep you in our prayers. I think the only person happier than you that this is happening is like St. Columba. Because, <laughs> oh my goodness. He's, He's not actually thrilled because St. Columba banned women from the island of Iona. However, he also banned snakes and cows. And he was the first person to ever spot the Loch Ness Monster. So fun, fun fact. Columba, Columba is the first person to mention that there was a monster in Loch Ness. So he he's probably not that thrilled with me. Although I'm sure if he met me, he I could change his mind. It, oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. And, but there and, are cows on the island now, so 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 that didn't last. Yeah, um, the, 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 snakes though, no snakes, and the, uh, and women. So you know, they're the Highland cattle, right? Like that's the yes, a Highland coo. Yes, oh. yep, <laughs> they're fabulous. So two Indeed. out of three. He banned he banned women, <laughs> snakes, and cows, and uh, the snakes are still gone. So you know, not not too bad. I, I don't I can't comment on his accuracy on the Loch Ness situation, but ah, uh, I know I, did, I didn't see Nessie at Loch Ness when I did. <laughs> so. I mean, I'm a believer in a lot of things, so why not? There why we not? go. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right, Stacy. This has been great. Uh, you have shared with us the good news of your life, your ministry, your call. Uh, you've even gotten us excited for whatever is next for Westminster Auburn. Mm-hmm. But now I want to turn the rest of the podcast over to climbing your tree, please. You have dedicated your entire adult life to serving the church and spreading the good news of a better way of life built on the foundation of compassion, mercy, hope, and joy. You are a loving advocate for the healing power of God in, with, and through community, even if sometimes that community is parish ministry. (laughs) You are an inspiration to many, definitely me, but I would love to know who are the folks that have inspired you to this work, dare I say, to this witness, who are the visionaries that have helped make you Stacy? Goodness. Okay, first of all, I need for you to write all of my reference letters or anything else, anything else that happens um you know i think the the one the person who comes to mind um in addition to my parents and teachers and you know all the folks who who have have been supportive um there was a church member marilyn irons and she was i grew up at a, a large presbyterian church in dallas and she was the, she was a, a musician. She sang in the choir and I mean, she, she is, she still does this to this day. And she also ran what they called creative arts workshop. And okay. so that was, you know, it was just like kid pageant time, right? It was like, we did a little biblical play. We learned the music and then everyone got up on stage. We did a week where we made the costumes and all that stuff. And Marilyn really encouraged me to be the loud, bossy show off that I was just naturally, just what came naturally to me. But, uh, and and then also showed just through her actions, not through, not through, you know, um, any intentional preaching or whatever, but um, just how you can use your own skills, your own self, you know, what mm-hmm. you enjoy, what you like 
to service and into ministry. And that's, I mean, you know, that's the, that's the beatner, right? That's, that's trying to find your greatest joy and trying to find the world's greatest need. And so it it, it just enabled me to, you know, number one, to be really comfortable in front of people to, you know, to get up and to preach, to be on stage, to sing, to tap dance poorly, whatever, you know, metaphorically and actually, (laughs) you know, like, um, it just really enabled me to do that. And I, and I got a lot of that through growing up at the church, you know, through being in a, in a place where people knew me very well and knew my pluses and minuses and said, excellent, we're going to put the pluses to work and we're going to, we're going to let God work out the minuses with maybe a little, a little good guidance, (laughs) you know, here and there. Uh, So she really comes to mind, I think is like a person from childhood who helped, you know, me be me and to show me that me being me in the church was fabulous, was great. And just what God wanted. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, other, I I would also say um, my first job out of uh, college was in Washington, D.C., and I uh, got a job working at the Interfaith Conference of Washington, D.C. I lived in Alexandria, um, so but not close to your church because I was working in a nonprofit and I was poor. And <laughs> but um, some of your some of your listeners who've been in the area for a long time might know the Reverend Dr. Clark Lobenstein. So he's a Presbyterian pastor. He ran the Interfaith Conference forever, for like 30 plus years. Okay. And I went straight there to work. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. They brought me in as a communications assistant or something. And I didn't even know what channel NBC was in Washington, D.C. I had absolutely no idea. But their assistant director was a woman named Diane Sherwood. And she she's actually the one who hired me. And then when I arrived, my first week there, we learned that she had um, cervical cancer. Um, and so I went into her office, mm-hmm. you know, I had her files. I, I didn't know, I had no idea what to do. And I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember I called my dad and I said, you know, I'm 21 and I'm in Washington DC and, and this poor woman that had, that hired me, you know, she, she had gone from not having any kind of cancer to having stage four and being in hospice in a matter of weeks. And so the whole organization was just really in a, in a tailspin. And so I walked in there and I called my dad and I was like, I don't know what to do. And he said, well, do something. And I was like, oh yeah, no, I can do that. Like (laughs) I can do something. (laughs) I don't know if it's going to be helpful, but I can, I can do something. So, you know, I did some stuff and, um, and then about including, we put together a celebration of life for her while she was. Uh, while she was still living, which actually we ended up doing for my husband as well, you know, almost 20 years later. So, so it was, I hadn't, hadn't actually thought about that until this moment, but it was super um, impactful for me then. Diane um, did pass away from her cancer, but it was about a year afterwards. And she actually had a period of remission where she came into the office in uh, January. So after I'd been there about six months and she also it's kind of expressed a similar um, uh, feeling to what my dad said, which was, you know, she said to me, I, I have, I know that you're going to get the job done. You know, you're, I have faith in you. I, you, whatever, whatever it is that we're going to ask you to do, you're going to do it. 
and it's going to happen and it might be what everyone wants and it might be we might learn from it the next time or whatever but like Stacy's going to make it happen and I was like well that's true like if we say that it's going to be on March the 1st like we're going to do it on March the 1st now yes we'll see how it goes <laughs> but we're going to try you know so um I think some version of being taught early on in the church setting to have confidence in myself and to know that, um, that I was created, uh, in a, to be me and that there's, you know, that there's, that that's, that's actually what God wants. And then being in situations where people were very supportive and said, all right, you know, what you think is a good idea might actually probably be a good idea. Go try it and we'll find out. So Stacy, I love that. And um, you know, tying it a bit into our uh our uh commentary on parish ministry earlier mm-hmm. in this podcast, you know, as as people, no matter their age, no matter their stage, and no matter their demographic, right now, at least in America, struggle with identity especially as it relates to their community of faith. The fact that in both of these settings, people that inspired you allowed you and encouraged you to be who you are truly put you in positions to succeed and let you know that you were loved mm-hmm. is incredibly moving. And, and um, I'm so glad you shared that with us. Thank you. You know, it is. And I, I will say, um, I, this is going to maybe again, be like slightly controversial to the, to the church crowd. I don't know, but I do think when it comes to parish ministry, mm-hmm. um, I, I have allowed myself or been allowed through choices that I've made and, and privileges that I have to really to, to be myself and do what I think is best within the church. Mm-hmm. And because not exclusively, but to a large extent, my professional identity and my professional livelihood is not based in the church. You know, Mm -hmm. I worked in nonprofits. I mean, again, they were faith-based settings, but I worked in a healthcare system for six years doing community outreach and advocacy, again, drawn out of my faith life, but doing work, you know, doing community health work that a lot of people do and that's where I made my money and that's where I built my career. And so then when I went into pastor a church part-time, you know, I was able to be very upfront with them at the beginning. I'm one of the few people who did actually manage to pastor a church part-time because yeah. I told them at the beginning, you know, see this office, this like fancy office. I will never be here. I have an office at my hospital, so I will not use it. You can use it for anything that you want to. I will do my best to to lead funerals and to be there when people need it. We're going to you're going to have to be flexible and and you know on on only on one occasion did someone at the church say, you know, I I need you here to be here for this and I just couldn't. I had a I had yeah. a meeting at the hospital that I had to do. So I I think that I think it is really difficult for certainly young pastors, but I think all pastors, you know, when you're and maybe just for everybody, frankly, you yeah. know, your financial well-being, your health insurance, your manse, if you live in a manse, I mean, your home, everything, when yes. it is tied to the individual or maybe group, you know, receptions to your work, 
And your work is to discern and communicate the word of God in a particular setting, you know, it just kind of sets you up to have a, a real conflict of interest. And I have managed to not have that. And so I can come into a place and I, I feel more freedom to be more honest or to, to just worry less about criticisms. And when they do talk about your shoes, not matching your robe, which is literally chapter one in the book. Um, yes. Yeah. I don't care like at <laughs> all <laughs> yeah, about things like that. So um, yeah, so it, it's, it's a, it's a, it enables people to have a little bit more freedom. And yeah. I think that that has been a benefit to me in ministry to an extent. A a absolutely. I, I would say that that's a blessing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's a blessing. It's a privilege. You know, it's a, it's a privilege to be able to, um, to have had the opportunity to forge a career outside of the church and still be able to step into the church and mm -hmm. to not to have the support of the church without bringing a lot of institutional baggage, I think that makes pastors burn out and stress out and, um, you know, and not be as successful as they can be. No, I hear that. Uh, far too many headlines right now uh, have that mm -hmm. uh, in bold font. And um, I'm thrilled that that's not been your experience um, you know, Me and, too. <laughs> and, and not only is that a blessing, but this conversation has been a blessing. Thank you so much for fitting this into your incredibly busy and full life. Um, this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, it has been an absolute treat to climb the Stacy Smith tree. Thank you very much for joining us and to all of our listeners at Westminster and everywhere else. Much love and hold fast.